All right, good morning. All right, everybody's looking good. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so excited to have you here. We're going to be wrapping up a series that we've been on the last couple of weeks entitled Amazing Stories. Amazing Stories. How many of you know that stories have an impact? Stories have an impact in our lives. I remember a couple of weeks back I was sharing how my son one day came to me. I was frustrated about something. He said to me, slow and steady wins the race, Dad. And I looked at him like he had two heads. I said, where did he get that from? Where did that wisdom come from? The tortoise and the hare. But stories have an impact. And the same way stories have an impact, the stories that we read in the Bible, which are true stories, truly do have an impact in our lives. Just as, sto- just as the stories of old were powerful and were used to convey and pass on valuable information, so the Bible stories that we read until this very day are meant to do the same for us. They're not just to give us an example, they're to teach us something about ourselves. See, the truth is this, that when we look at the stories in the Bible, and we go, wow, Moses, wow, Joshua, wow, uh, uh, David, We're amazed at their stories, but what we fail to realize is that they were looking forward to our story. They were looking forward to what Christ has done, the the coming Christ. Let me show you something from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 through 36. I know this is a familiar scripture, uh, but I believe what the word says. We go line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. We reiterate the word, we teach it, so that way we can hear it. Uh, capture it and remember it and let it work in our hearts. So Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 30, says this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By what? By faith. Every time you hear that, I want you to say that with me. So let's try this again. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith... The harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. I want you to see something here. That these people that we read about and that the Bible is is telling us about, they accomplished great things simply by faith. And I think that that's one of the things that if we're not careful as believers that we minimize. Oh, you know, I believe it, but I'm still waiting on God. Well, keep waiting because faith moves. Faith moves. The Bible says that we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. There's nothing passive about faith. It is progressive. It is active. It moves upward. It goes outward. It moves forward. Our faith is meant to take us places. Say that to your neighbor. Your your faith is taking you somewhere. Now that same neighbor you told him, tell him, so get going. Listen, our faith is supposed to go somewhere. Think about what the Bible says here, that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. That by faith, Rahab did not perish. Listen, faith does great and amazing things. But faith is meant to be exerted and it's meant to be exercised. 
I'm not talking about cookie-cutter Christianity where we just believe that Jesus is the Son of God. While that is powerful, if that's where you stay stuck and that's all you believe and you do nothing in response to who Jesus is in you, you're not going anywhere. We're meant to live by faith. Scripture says that we walk by faith. In the original language, here's what that means. That we live a manner of life that is by faith, not by sight. Not by what we see, not by what we feel, not by what people tell us, not by what the norm is. We are people of faith. Watch verse 40 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, God having provided something, what? Better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They were looking forward to what you and I have now received. It's better. You think David was, was, was pretty cool killing giants? Don't you know that there's a giant in you? The Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. While we look to their stories in amazement and awe, we must realize that their stories are telling of a better and more amazing story. Our story. As we can see through the examples that we've read about and maybe you've dug into some other ones, no amazing story comes without faith. And if we are to live the life that Christ said that is ours, if you are to truly experience a life that is in abundance, you can't do it without faith. You can't see God, you can't see the word of God work what his promises reveal if there is no faith. So the life of every believer requires that we face life by faith. All right, two people got it. The life of every believer requires that we live by faith. Okay, about half of you got it. The life of every believer requires that we live by faith. faith. Wow, all right. We could end right there, by the way. That, that's the sermon right there in and of itself. But if we're to do so, it requires us moving past something that is called comfort complacency we must move to a dependence upon what faith calls us outward upward and forward for and so today as we come to a close in this particular series I'd like to wrap up by getting us to focus our attention on this one critical main point that our amazing story starts when we live beyond our comforts now, comfort is something that we all like, right? Who doesn't like to be comfortable? We've all got our own room temperature that we like to set it at, right? If you're my wife, she likes to experience what hell feels like. She wants it hot. We're in the car. She's like, roll the window down. It is humid. It's hot. It's sticky. It's muggy. No, roll the window down. There's a reason why every one of us in my household have a car. And when I don't want to be in the car, I have the motorcycle so that way I can get all the air I want, right? But my point is this. We all have our own temperature, the own, our own uh, thermostat, so to speak, that we'd like to set our, uh, what, what's most comfortable to us uh, for. But the thing is that that's not what faith calls for. Faith is not meant for comfort. Listen. Faith is for God. Faith is for God and God alone. 
I, I mean, I grew up in a, in, in a time where, you know, when you heard about faith, what I heard a lot of people say, I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for a house, and I've got faith for a car, and I've got faith for this, and, I, and that's great. You can believe God for it. Praise God. Nothing wrong with that. But they miss the object of what faith calls for, God. Faith is to be in God, not in goods. Faith is to be in God, not in goods. And so today, I want us to uh, look at two uh, particular instances in the Bible. We're going to start off in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10. And this is going to serve as an introduction to where we're landing today, so this is just to whet your appetite. Verse 9 in uh, 1 Chronicles 4 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So literally what Jabez's name means is son of my sorrow, son of my affliction, son of my pain. You know what she was saying? This son of mine is going to, a, to be a pain in my life. He's going to be a source of hurt. He's going to be a source of affliction. He's going to be a burden to me. And so Jabez, the Bible says in verse 10, called on the God of Israel. Now Jabez was an Israelite. And I want you to pay close attention to this fun Bible fact. That the Bible says that Jabez, Jabez was more honorable than all his brethren. That word honorable there in the, in the Hebrew literally means this. Here's what it means. It means numerous. It means rich. It means blessed. It means enlarged. And so get the tension in what we're reading here. Jabez is numerous. He's blessed. He's enriched. But he's not living it. He's not living it. And so Jabez looks around and he basically concludes, I'm not built for this. And he prays. Now, what's interesting is that if you read 1 Chronicles chapter 1, uh, chapter 1 through 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 8, what you see is that we have a genealogy of Israel. And for the most part, it's a collection of begats. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? And this one begat that one who begat that one who begat that one. And it's just like, I usually just skip over those. And every now and then if you read it, you'll find a name that sticks out to you like a David. And then we get to verse 9. And most people miss this amazing instance in history. This amazing story. That this man was above his contemporaries, not because of what he brought to the table, but because he believed that God created him to go beyond the borders that were set for him in life. I'm here to tell you today that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you've felt limited for some time. Maybe you've been in a place and, and maybe you've gotten to a point where you said, you know what, enough is enough. We're cutting the umbilical cord. It's, it's time to leave this baby stuff. We're stepping out. We're moving forward. We're going where God has called us. We're not destined. We weren't predestinated, as the Bible says, to remain here stuck, sitting here in a dead space. We're meant to move forward. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe just maybe, You've allowed yourself to become complacent and comfortable in another area. Whatever it is, 
Jabez's story isn't just about Jabez and the Israelites. There's a reason why God said, print it. Because it's meant to tell you something about your story, about my story, about our story. We're not called to comfort. And we're certainly not called to religious complacency. So literally what we see when we come upon verse 9 and 10 in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 is that we're introduced to a man named Jabez whose life is like an, like an oasis in the midst of a dry and barren desert. He doesn't fit in the story. He doesn't fit. But here's why he doesn't fit. Because Jabez dared to believe there's more beyond these borders. <laughs> so why? While Jabez's destiny was marked out for him, you got to understand that back in those days when you named a child, it wasn't today like some parents do. Well, I want to call him Mark. No, I want to call him Billy. I want to call him Johnny. Right? All right. You know, let's dump them all in the hat and pick a name. It, doesn't, it didn't work that way back then. When a child was named, there was destiny attached to it. And his destiny wasn't a good one. And so Jabez wasn't content to be like everyone else amongst him. He wasn't content with being like the average Hebrew of the day. And the Bible states that he was more honorable than his brethren. And so what we see here is that Jabez screamed for change, that he was unwilling to settle for the experience of the rest. And so Jabez prays. And what we see in verse 10 is that God responded. But it was because it was according to his will. Not just for Jabez, not just for his people, but for us. If you're comfortable, and this is your first time here, I'm not apologizing for spoiling the party. This is God's word. We're called to more. There's more in store. <laughs> you know, I believe that what made Jabez more honorable than everyone else is that he dared to believe I can push past the pain that I've caused. I can live beyond the borders of the subjection that we as Israelites find ourselves in right now. That I can actually be blessed. That I can actually prosper. Jabez was ahead above the rest because of whom he believed in and what he believed he'd been called to. So if we're honest, we've all had, have, or may have some comfort zones. We may have some areas where we uh, feel just a little comfortable, where we kind of settle in. The problem about comfort is this. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with you having comfort in life. After all, we have a comforter in the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. That when comfort comes at the expense of where faith is leading you, there's a problem. There's a problem. When you know that you know that you know that you know, not because prophet such and such or because you look for confirmation from this, but you got a word from God and it's burning deep within you and you know it's time to step out, to step forward, to step up and to do something with this faith of mine, to go where God is calling me, to do what God's anointed me to, to experience what God has predestinated me for, 
It pushes you past these borders. It pushes you past comfort. But if you think about comfort, it has a way of setting boundaries for us, of redefining truth in our life, and ultimately entrapping us from the greater things that faith calls us forward for. I remember when we first uh, took over this building, this place was a mess. And there was a guy that knocked on the very first day that we got here, knocked on the glass over there. We didn't even have a bell back there at the time uh, for when the doors were closed. And this guy's knocking on the window, knocking on the door. And I come out, and he introduces himself to me. He says, hi, I'm Adam. I said, hey, Adam, how you doing? I'm Jose. And he says to me, I'm the guy that cleans the back of the building for you. I said, what are you talking about? Now, Adam, you may not know this, but I'll tell you now, was homeless. Adam actually smelled pretty bad. And Adam had it pretty rough. And so, you know, I didn't want to say anything, so I just kind of listened and I befriended Adam. That day we went out for some pizza. A couple of other times I took him out to eat and we just, we, he would come by and what he would do is he would go behind the building because there were people that would go there and they would use drugs, they would uh, leave garbage there and so he would clean it up. We no longer have that issue anymore. But Adam would kind of shoo these guys away. He would clean it all up for us and all that. And so I remember one day as we were eating, I said to Adam, we were sitting right there in front of the Carpellis Museum. He was eating a sandwich, and I'm drinking some water, and we're just chatting. And I said to him, Adam, do you believe that this is God's best for you? And he says to me, what do you mean? I said, Adam, what are you doing with your life? How is this benefiting you? I said, Adam, you live on the streets. Adam, you struggle with your health. He had a serious issue with diabetes, his liver, some liver issues, all kinds of stuff were going on with him. And Adam begins to tell me, these are the words that come out of his mouth. He says, Pastor Jose, I don't live with anyone by choice. He says, I get $900 a month cash. On top of that, I get health coverage. I've got benefits. He says, I've got all that. I says, so what are you doing on the streets? He says, when I'm on the streets, I'm free. I said, you're free. He says to me, I'm not responsible for anyone. I don't have to answer to anyone. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. Nobody cares, and I don't care about anyone. I said, Adam, what if I told you that I could help you? that I can plug you in with some people that I know. He says, I don't want to be responsible to anyone. I'd rather live free. Subject to suffering. Subject to the abuse and the fights that he has continuously with other people on the streets. Subject to the addiction of drugs and alcohol. Subject to all these things. Do you see what I mean when I say when you fall into your own comfort zone, how it defines boundaries for you and it changes what truth actually is? It distorts it. It doesn't make it look clear. And so now before you go off saying, well, that could never be me, I want to challenge you to ask yourself this question. What has become normal, acceptable, and comfortable at the expense of what faith is calling you to do? What is that word from God that you've received? What is that passion that has burned in your heart? What is that thing that you believe that God is calling you towards? What is it that, that, that keeps 
drawing you that says, there's more to this than what I see and what I know. What is it? And what's the thing that you've become complacent with that stops you from doing it? Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe there, you know, you're not comfortable in some things. Maybe you, you know, you, 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 maybe it's that you've settled for just being known as a Christian. Maybe it's that I read my Bible. Maybe it's that I go to church. Maybe it's that I pray. Look, all those things are good. There's nothing wrong with them. But when those things define borders for you, when your conversation with God becomes, but God, I'm serving you. I'm already doing what you've called me to do. When I was a youth pastor, we got to a point where we had quite a few hundred kids. It was close to a thousand kids at one point between our junior high and our high school department. And I remember when God called us out. Here was the first thing I said to the Lord. But Lord, I'm already doing what you called me to do. I'm already ministering the gospel. I'm already working with people, impacting lives and working with families and stepping out into the community. (laughs) And God says to me, but that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to more. Listen, if your faith isn't stretching you beyond what you see, what you feel, what you know, what you've experienced, you're not walking by faith. You're not walking by faith. You're not walking by faith. Because faith calls us to what? The Bible says that faith is the evidence of what? Things not seen. It's the substance of things that we hope for. In other words, it's got nothing to do with what you see, with where you've been, with what anybody's telling you, with what this person's opinion is or what that magazine says or what this people's trajectory has been. It has nothing to do with that. If we're relying on people and we're relying on things as it pertains to matters of faith, guess what? It's not faith. And if it isn't bigger than you and I, then we're not believing God. Maybe it's not that, maybe that's not the issue. Maybe, maybe it's the chaos in your home. Oh, you know, my, I just got to get my house together. I got to get my act together. Maybe it's the compromise of what's right to appease others. Maybe it's your own self-seeking desires. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's the comforts that money and the material afford you. Maybe it's the vacation that you've been on for the past 15 years on an island called Someday I'll. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll respond to the word. Someday I'll get going. That's not a vacation worth taking. See, when you're comfortable... Going to church is enough. When you're comfortable, being a good person is enough. When you're comfortable, just getting by is enough. When you're comfortable, wholeheartedly believing God's word is too hard. I know what the Bible says, but not me. When you're comfortable, believing that God wants to use you in a greater way is too hard. When you're comfortable, believing that God has called you to do what seems impossible is too hard. And here we have the example of Jesus. Jesus says, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hey, check this out. If Jesus said we could do it, why aren't we laying hands? If Jesus himself said, Greater things than these shall you do in my name. Why aren't we going for the greater? 
I suggest to you, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not suggesting to you. I'm putting it straight out to you. Maybe it's because you're comfortable. And if the shoe fits, please change it. Change it. Turn around. Stand for something. Stand for what God has called you to. Get going. Get moving. Maybe you're not in any of those categories. Maybe you believe God. You've trusted God. Maybe uh, you do believe that God can use you. Listen to the words of Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. He says this. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Listen, if there's anyone amongst believers until this very day that had it together, that believed God, that raised the dead, that laid hands, that did some amazing things with, in response to his faith in God, it was Paul. And yet, watch what Paul says. I haven't arrived. You know why? Because Paul understood there's still more in store. My faith calls me forward. I'm pressing. I'm moving forward. What's interesting is that verse 15 reveals something to us. Verse 15 says, therefore let us, watch this, as many as are mature. You know what Paul's revealing there? That comfort is for babies. Comfort, complacency, is a sign of immaturity in the believer. It's immature. There's no room for growth there. Oh, there's room, but that's our choice. And so Paul says, as many of us as are mature, let us have this mind. But watch, there's hope. If that's not where our mind is, even God himself will reveal this unto us. Maybe today's your day. Maybe you're hearing something and there's something that's been itching, there's been burning. Maybe it's not all clear yet, but today you've got orders from headquarters that says, I'm stepping out in faith. Good for you. Praise God. We're not meant to stay comfortable. If your faith isn't being stretched, you're too comfortable. You might say, oh, Pastor Jose, that's easy for you to say. Listen, you're talking to the guy that when God called, it came at a price. Me and my wife left salaries while having two kids in college, while having four vehicles, while having a mortgage, while having insurance. And all, and all we knew was God said, I am your exceedingly great reward. I've called you forward. And all we knew to do was take a step. We left it all. And we said, Lord, we're going. And we landed here in this city. And I said, Lord, how am I supposed to provide for my family? He says, what's in your hand? You've got all this experience working, all this experience working with youth, nonprofit management. You've, you've got all this experience with grant writing, all these things. Use what's in your hand. And so he says, start a company. I start a consulting company. The same week 
that we left the ministry that we were in. I'm on a call with a friend of mine who happens to be a, a, an administrator at a school in Ellenville. He says to me, Jose, what are you going to be doing? I said, I'm going to be consulting. He says, what kind of consulting? I lay out for him a plan, and I, I promise you, this wasn't even on paper. This was fresh, straight from the press. I said, I want to start a company, and I'm going to be doing uh, workshops with kids and challenging them to really think about issues around bullying and character development and all these. He says, come to my school. That next week I was there for one day, they paid me $700. The following week, Sullivan County Bosey's calls me. The following week, Boys and Girls Club in Newburgh comes through. Then Middletown comes through. And all of a sudden, all these doors begin to open. But guess what? You can't explore. You can't, you can't experience what God is calling you to and the provision that he's already given for where he's calling you to if you don't step out. Faith. Listen, and, and when I say this, I take no credit for it. I boast only in God. He did it. He provided. But that's what happens when we respond in faith to God. And so for the next couple of minutes that I have here today, I want to uh, just take you real quick to a story, a familiar story for some of us, but I want to just kind of go through it like it's with fresh eyes. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at the story of three young men, one of them called Shadrach, the other one called Meshach, and the other one called Abednego. And these three guys were in a place of comfort. If you read the story, what you'll find is that they were rulers over the region of Babylon. They were responsible. They had oversight. So they had the provision, the protection, and the regard of the kingdom of a king called Nebuchadnezzar. They were subject to him. The people of Israel were under bondage to them. But these guys were a step above the rest of the Hebrews. And so the Bible says that one day Nebuchadnezzar sets up a large image, an idol. If you do the math correctly, it's about 90 feet high and, 90 feet, and 9 feet wide. And it was made of gold. And Nebuchadnezzar sends word to all the people of power in his empire so that they could join him at the unveiling of this image. And he declares that all peoples, all nations must worship this image. And so the Bible says that all of the land and all of the nations under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar are informed that at the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and stringed instruments, that they were all to fall down and worship this golden image. And whoever would not comply would immediately be cast into a burning, fiery pit. So this is what had become normal, acceptable, and comfortable. We hear the music. And we just kind of just go with it. We, everybody bows down. Everybody's all right. We're all bowing down. And so all these nations, all these people are bowing down. That's what they understand they're supposed to do. That's comfortable. That's normal. That's acceptable. And the Bible says that one day this symphony of music goes on and all people bow. And then after it happens, after it occurred, that some of these uh, uh, government officials go to the king and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, you said that at the sound of, the, of this symphony that all peoples were to bow down. And look, there are three Hebrew men that you appointed to oversee Babylon, and they did not bow at the sound and worship your gods. And so the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar calls them in a rage, and he demands them to bow down or die. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. 
This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. He says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And so they faced a choice. You got to understand that they had it together. They, they, while they were in subjection, they weren't that bad off under Nebuchadnezzar. They were above, they, they, they oversaw the Hebrews of, the, of, of their region. And so these guys had something. They had some level of comfort while in the midst of subjection to this foreign, uh, this foreign kingdom. But they faced a choice. We can either do what's normal, acceptable, and remain comfortable, or we can die as a result of our faith in God. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 says this, that, Nebuchadnezzar, that they, this is their response. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, it's not even a topic for conversation. There's nothing to talk about, Nebuchadnezzar. But watch what they say. They say, if that is the case, if what is the case, if it's the case that you sent us to die in this burning, fiery pit, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18 says this, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, let me just pause right there. Because I used to read this years ago and understand from verse 18 that what they were saying is, but if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down and worship. That doesn't make sense, though, in context. The Aramaic words there are hen la. You know what it said? You know what they're saying? They're saying, even if you, whether you send us to the fiery furnace or you don't send us to the fiery furnace, either way, we will only worship our God. They drew their line in the sand. There is no room for compromise, for comfort. They were convinced and they believed in God completely and they stood their ground. We learned some valuable lessons from their response. Here's the first one I want to share, which was a thought. When we settle for what's comfortable, there's room to conform. There's room to become like the rest. There's room to follow instead of lead according to faith. It wasn't even a matter for discussion to them because they loved God more than their own lives. So while all the other Hebrews around them were bowing, they remained standing. Doesn't the Bible say, have done all to stand? Stand? That's your position, believer. That's who you are as a child of God. An overcomer. More than a conqueror is what the Bible says. Following after Christ in triumph. The head and not the tail. Above only, never beneath. That's what scripture declares about you. That's what faith dictates for us. That's the ground upon which we stand. And so while all the other Hebrews of the day are conforming, they stand. You know, I was taking a shower this morning. I just remember this now. And I was just meditating upon 
the word and what I'm going to be preaching to the, you know, what I'm preaching today. And I was thinking about Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's not in our notes. Uh, but Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2 says this. Do, uh, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That word transformed there is the word metamorphosis. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about a complete change from something to something else that it's never been. And I started thinking about butterflies. And here's what I, what, what I, what I heard from the Lord this morning. I was just meditating on it. And this, this was for me, but I'm going to just share it with you. Butterflies never go back to hanging with caterpillars. Once a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, you will never see it doing what, butterf what, what, what caterpillars do. Do you know why? Because that's what transformation calls for. Some of you might be saying like that little girl I once, uh, once heard uh, a story of a little chick, uh, uh, um, little eagles, and, and the mother saying, come on, fly, fly, fly. And the little eagle says to the mama, he says, mama, but what if I fall? And the mama responds, but what if you fly? Faith calls us outward, forwards, upwards. And so we're not called to conform. We're not called to do as, as many people do. Even in churches, ladies and gentlemen, we compromise the gospel for comfort. I mean, for crying out loud, the coffee's not hot enough. The chairs are too hard. I don't like the style of music that they play. I don't like the way the preacher preaches. Since when did it become about you and not about Christ? Hello? Man, he's, that, that's kind of strong. That's the gospel. That's the truth of our faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves or comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You know what the Bible's saying there? Stop looking amongst you as it pertains to who you are in Christ. We can't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. There's no wisdom from God in that. Who you are now as a child of God is not worth what you conform to for comfort's sake. Comfort at the expense of what faith dictates is always expensive. It will bankrupt our life. I want to encourage you to wrap your head around this other thought. Put your faith in God and not in the fire. What is he talking about? Oftentimes it becomes easier to choose to do what seems easier instead of doing what faith calls for. Listen, these young men looked at the fire and looked at the God that they believed in. And they chose God. They chose we're not conforming. We're not uh, subjecting ourselves to our comforts. And so they trusted God because they knew that while the fire could burn them, they knew that their comfort would consume them. When, you, when we compromise what faith calls us for, when we choose our comfort, when we choose what is self-seeking and, and satisfies our own selves above what faith calls us outward to, it will slowly burn in our lives. It will consume us. And here's what it will do. It will lead to destruction. It doesn't work. It's not 2 plus 2 equals 4. The math doesn't equate there when you look at the matters of faith. And so the Bible tells us that these young men are eventually bound up and thrown into the pit of fire, and they turn it up seven times hotter. Even the guys that were taking them in, 
these guys were big guys. If you, if you study, you'll see that Nebuchadnezzar didn't just call for any guys. He called for strong men. And these men come and they bind them up. And they take these men bound into, towards the fire pit. And even before they get there, the Bible says that it was so hot that the men themselves that were holding them captive to throw them in there burn. They're consumed. And so the Bible says that these young men end up in this fiery pit. But something happens there. Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 tells us this, that King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And Nebuchadnezzar responds, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth, the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The last point I want to leave you here today as we close out is this, that there's freedom beyond comfort. There is true freedom beyond comfort. Listen, they chose to end up in a burning, fiery pit. That's the choice they made. As a matter of fact, no, let me correct that. They chose to continue to, con to, to continue in faith in God. And it cost them a fiery pit. Listen, I'm not telling you here today that the life of faith doesn't come at a cost. Hey, there are things that hurt sometimes. You're looking at a guy that his whole family ridiculed him. That to this day, they say, no, but I know who you are. I remember you. You could keep faking the funk. I know who you are. It comes at a cost. It may even hurt. But these young men were bound and they faced death because they looked beyond what was comfortable and they chose to honor God in faith. And when they stepped out, watch what happens. They were bound and all of a sudden they're set free. And they're walking with the fourth man who's like the son of God. If you study that, they were walking with Jesus in that fiery pit. And the Bible says this. Watch the freedom. They come out of there. Not a hair singed, the Bible says. And when they come out, not only are they free, but Nebuchadnezzar then declares to all the nations, we will serve their God. That is the true and living God. Don't tell me that freedom doesn't come at the expense of comfort. And so where does that leave us today? I want to challenge you to consider what is faith calling you forward towards? Maybe it's writing your own home. Maybe it's time to make some difficult choices. Maybe it's time to see beyond your schedule. Maybe it's time to invest yourself into another and disciple them and lead them to the saving knowledge of Christ and help them to understand who they are in Christ. Maybe God's calling you to partner with a ministry. Maybe God's called you to be here. Listen, the promise of faith is always with a reward. When we started this ministry, we started with four people. My wife, myself, my son, and my daughter. 
God, we're going. We didn't even have a congregation. January 5th, 2014, we have our first service in our house. Sandra, who serves first service, who's our, our cafe, our hospitality team leader on first service, she comes to our house with her children. We used to be their youth pastors. She comes with the children. A buddy of mine, Jeff, comes with his family and his kids. They come to our house. My sister-in-law comes from the Bronx with my niece and my nephew. Our first service, we had 12 people in my living room. The next service, we had 19 people. The next service after that, we had 24 people. My wife was like, we can't keep having this in my house. My son, we can't keep using his room as a kid's uh, department. We can't keep using our kitchen counter as a cafe. You're going to blow out the flat screen. You're using it for scriptures. We can't keep doing this. And so we moved on to a hotel. And then before, that lasted about five months. We outgrew that and then we're here. But listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. This has all happened. You know how? by people that took a step of faith. This isn't our story. This isn't my story. This isn't even their story. It's all our story. Why? Because we're all united by this one common thing, faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ, and a faith that calls us forward. Amen? So I want you to leave here today, but I really want you to consider Put it before the Lord. Lord, what are you calling me to? Maybe you're already taking that step. Maybe you've just taken that step and it just seems a little scary. It's not like what you've known. I got good news for you. When God is the one that calls you, it's always better.